Hello and good afternoon to a new episode of the Morning Star Journal with me, Tariq. And I want to say thank you for everyone who's uh, been listening, who's joined me on this crazy experiment of just uh, speaking my mind and talking about things that um, I enjoy. And I hope that everyone who's listening has um, enjoyed the uh, podcast before and uh, if you ever um, as I always say have any suggestions or um, you know anything you think that might be interesting or something you'd like me to talk about by all means you can always uh, send me a message either uh, leaving a voice message through Anchor if you're listening through Anchor uh, you can also reach me on social media on Facebook we have a, a Facebook page Morningstar Journal uh, with Tariq, as well as um, Twitter, uh, which is just at Morningstar Journal, journal spelled J-R-N-L. Also, you can find me on Instagram occasionally. I've um, I usually post a few pictures here and there, and um, hopefully I'm going to start posting a few collages as well as um, some other items. So I'm uh, definitely going to try to be more on that. So... Uh, today, as I've kind of been hitting that for the last couple of weeks, um, and like I said before, just time has been just, you know, insane, is that I wanted to talk about a few, um, African American bass players that I've, um, looked up, come across, and also since I've started to, uh, learning to play bass, uh, my own instructor um, kind of advised me on a few bass players as well. So I figured, you know, might as well do some research and um, that always leads to any kind of rabbit hole. If you know me, every time I uh, try to check out either looking stuff online or uh, Wikipedia, as most people do look up, it always leads to rabbit hole of Oh, he um, sang on this, and they played uh, <laughs> they played this song, and it always leads to a long string of rabbit holes, and this is no exception. So I will probably not even cover. Uh, I'll probably just talk about just um, a few here and there uh, that kind of looks like uh, spark my interest. Um, also, this is just scratching the surface, and I mean, by all means, there are probably like thousands upon thousands of, you know, just recognized bass players, let alone uh, players that you may even know. I mean, um, like I said, my own instructor, he's who's teaching me, he plays bass, he has his own band, and I know um, quite a few friends who have family members who also um, not only just play bass, but play instruments in general, which um, something I definitely want to talk about near the end, but you know, you may know a lot of different musicians and just not realize it. Uh, but before we get into it today, though, um, I do want to kind of mention that uh, I did go see um, Battle, A- uh, sorry, Alita Battle Angel. Got to get that right because for whatever reason they had to, and I'm sure it is, um, it's been documented somewhere where for whatever reason it uh, switched up because I believe the anime as well as the manga is called Battle Angel Alita and whatever for this and for the movie, it's called Alita Battle Angel for whatever, you know, for whatever reason they decided to switch it up. Uh, may have something to do with the course of the movie because I guess she, 
if you get a chance to see it, you'll see that's mainly like she kind of um, acknowledges herself as a leader, and then the battle angel tag kind of gets um, applied later. As if you decide to go see the movie, um, don't want to give any spoilers or any kind of major review time on it. But I will say that I did enjoy the movie. I had fun with it. I hadn't seen the uh, anime, so I you know have nothing to judge you know that on but i did thought it was i did think it was pretty good and if um if you have a chance you know need some time and want to see a pretty fun um action and cgi movie go ahead and see it uh only time will tell whether it becomes uh, a hit or if it um is going to be one of my um, kind of hidden gems uh, like I did for uh, last year. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I've been meaning to check the box office, so it should definitely be interesting to see where it's at. So today, though, um, like I was saying before, is that I want to talk about a few just bass players here and there because it is, uh, of course, Black History Month, and I wanted to take a moment to um, acknowledge some, you know, bass players in uh, history and, like I said, past and present that I kind of found interesting as far as, you know, their achievements, their playing, and I'll also play a few um, things from them as well. So the first one that I'm going to be talking about is a bass American bass player named James Jamerson. Now I will, you know, acknowledge that um, I am getting a lot of these, uh, a lot of these bios from, uh, you know, from online sources just like Wikipedia. So don't want you to think that, um, you know, I'm. I, this is purely uh, my own writing. Don't want to give you that false kind of, you know. Um, interpretation or uh, miscommunication or whatever misrepresentation that's what I'm looking for so you can't even find the right words uh misrepresentation but I do want I I'm acknowledging you know where I'm getting these sources um but it doesn't change the fact that um Wikipedia and a lot of these other online sources that you may know of different magazines they're free to look up online and a lot of these are someone look up you can search them yourselves and with the with um also advantages of youtube and spotify and um a host of other um medias we can listen we have the ability now more than ever to if you wanted to hear or listen to a certain artist you certainly can so if you ever have the, you know, need or, you know, want to think about it, or just, you know, like, hey, I've always wanted to listen to this person, you can do it. And I recommend that you do it because you never know what you might find. So, um, as I was getting at, we're, uh, first person we're talking about is uh, James Jamerson, or James Lee Jamerson, who was born January 29th um, of 1936 and passed away on August 2nd of 1983. So, like I mentioned before, he was a bass player, um, cred based mostly with Motown records, which, hey, a lot of people around the 60s and 70s, Motown um, was a major hit, even though Motown didn't list uh, sessions, um, didn't list uh, session music, musician credits on their releases until 71, he was still around a lot. And I think a lot of musicians probably, you look back, they're probably, um, they're probably uncredited for a lot of that. 
and he is regarded as one of the most influential bass players of modern music history. And I got a chance to listen to um, several tracks as I was doing research, and I, and I could say he is pretty phenomenal. Um, he was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2000, as a, and as a session musician, he played on 30 billiard number one hits as well as over 70 R&B number one hits. That is phenomenal. That is crazy. And more than any other bass player in both categories. So in R&B and in, um, was it the number of hits in R&B hits, as well as rock and roll. So that is quite a feat. And in a... Special issue of bass players, a hundred greatest bass players. Um, Jameson actually made that list. Um, it actually ranked third in another list called 20 Unra uh, Underrated Bass Guitarists in Haste Magazine. So definitely amazing. Not too bad from a guy born out of, let's see, from Edesto, <laughs> Edisto Island. South Carolina near Charleston. Not too far from my neck of the woods, I'll say. So let me go ahead and play a little bit of it. Now, this is a bass track of his called What's Going On. So let's actually listen to this a little bit while I get some more information on him. And that should be playing in just a moment. So I'll let that play a little bit in the background so you can listen to it. Um, so a little bit of history on him. Um, like I said, native of Desto Island, South Carolina, Jameson moved with his mother to Detroit, Michigan in 1954, began playing in Detroit area blues and jazz clubs, and continued performing in Detroit clubs after graduating from high school and in his increase in solid reputation started providing him opportunities for sessions at various local recording studios. Starting in 1959, he found steady work at Barry Barry Gordy's Hitsville, US, USA, and I've heard Barry Gordy's name quite a few times as I was uh, going through a lot of these um, artists, um, home uh, to Midtown Record Label. And he played bass at the Mark Johnson single, Come To Me, uh, John Lee Hooker album, Burning, in 1962, The Reflections, just like Romeo and Juliet, just... Uh, just like Romeo and Juliet in 1964, he also became a member of the core studio musicians who informally called themselves the Funk Brothers. 
Um, and in a session performed, uh, dub- he performed on the double bass, but in the early 1960s, he switched to playing the electric Fender Precision Bass for the most part, which is a bass that I've been looking at myself. I actually um, currently um, working on a jazz bass. Uh, some instructor informed me that I'm that I was playing and I've actually been looking at trying to get into a precision bass because I feel like that might work a little bit better for um, at least for the style for right now of what I'm playing so a few things we can go over as far as Jamerson's discography at Motown Records has a catalog of soul hits from the of the 1960s and the 70s uh, his works include hits among hundreds of others so if you um know a couple of these songs and i think i think quite a few you're gonna be um you're gonna know so let's actually go to another one and this is reach out and i'll be there So as you're listening to that, um, so a couple of songs maybe listen you may know are "You Can't Hurt You Can't Hurry Love" by the Supremes, "My Girl" by the Temptations, "Shotgun" uh, by Junior Walker and the All Stars, "For Once in My Love," "I Was Made to Love Her" by Stevie Wonder, "Going to a Go Go" by the Miracles, "Dancing in the." Dancing in the Street by Martha and the Vandellas. I Heard It Through the Grapevine, Gladys Knight and the Pips. And later, of course, Marvin Gaye. So he did actually both versions, uh, or performed both versions. Uh, and, most of the, and most of the album, What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. Uh, reaching Out, Re- Reach Out, I'll Be There, which is playing now. And Bernadette by The Four Tops. And according to fellow Funk Brothers in a uh, documentary called Standing in the Shadows of Motown, Gay was desperate to have Jameson play on What's Going On and went to several bars to find the bassist. When he did, he brought Jameson to the studio, but Jameson, well, let's say, um, wasn't exactly feeling the stand-up. I'll say that. Uh, at least per this article, mind you, you know, uh, history can always change things, but at least per this, it's saying that um, he was a um, little bit, uh, <laughs> a little bit too near ready to stand up a little bit. So James played the classic line while laying on his back. Now that's actually pretty. Uh, if that's even uh, remotely true, that is very impressive. Lord knows that. Hey, if I can play with him on my back, that'd be pretty awesome. Uh, Prime bassists uh, who have claimed Jamerson is primary influence included James Brown's bass. So these are bases, other bass players that have, you know, kind of claimed that Jamerson um, inspired them, which includes James Brown's bassist, uh, Fred Thomas, Thomas uh, let's see, Bernard Autumn, Bootsy Collins. Um, other players include uh, John Paul Jones, Tim Dorman, Sweet Charles Cheryl, and wow, just a host of other names and talents. And that is 
really, really impressive. So, um, James Jamison, and like I said, just listening to a lot of his music and finding out a few things, I find it just very amazing. And, let's see. So, actually, I'm going to go to another artist that... I've been fortunate to kind of look up, because like I said, I was just looking up a lot of different um, just artists just to get some inspiration and um, a few melodies. Now, here's one I came across. Let's see if I get this correct. Go back to... Okay... And actually, while I'm pulling it up, I'm actually going to pull this up. Um, this is actually Esperanza Spalding. Another. So this is what you're listening to now is Esperanza Spalding and this is actually from her uh, live in LA, uh, 12 Little Spells and this is one of the more um, current artists that I've actually looked up as she's both, it seems both um, not only just a bass player but also a very accomplished singer. So a little bit about Esperanza. Um, uh, Emily Spaulding, born just in 1964, uh, is an American jazz bassist and singer. Uh, Spaulding was raised in Portland, Oregon, and was a musical prodigy, playing violin in the Chamber Music Society of Oregon at five years old. So, wow. Um, I can tell you that when I was five, I was definitely not playing any instruments. Heck, I didn't even pick up the uh, trumpet until uh, late in high school. So, uh, I'm sorry, middle school, not high school, uh, in middle school. Uh, So, you can start picking up a violin and playing at five. Yeah, definitely a prodigy. Um, she was later both self-taught and trained on a number of instruments, including, of course, guitar and bass. So that just goes to show you that um, you don't have to really be this prodigy. You know, you know, it definitely helped uh, for a lot of people. Um, you can be self-taught. And 
there are places out there where either you can, um, like for instance, if you have uh, a music and arts or a guitar center near your area, you can definitely go to these places to, you know, pick up lessons. But not only that, again, the advantages of, um, you know, our day and age as far as YouTube, you can learn how to play a lot of different instruments with um, different steps and tutorials. There's actually a few... Um, uh, base sites that I've been visiting and just guitar sites actually just in general since I've been learning in general that um, it's kind of helped me even though I haven't um, focused on a lot of those lessons yet though it gives it there's a lot of different options to just you know kind of get your feet wet and learn and just um, kind of find out what you can do but to kind of get back to Esperanza's we're listening to her play a little bit Let's see so she's actually won four Grammy Awards, including Grammy Award for Best New Artist at the 53, uh, 53rd, <laughs> 53, geez, um, 53rd Grammy Awards, making her the first jazz artist to win the award. So that is phenomenal. Right. So we're going to scroll down a little bit. Um... So apparently what they're saying is that the bass was a good fit for her. Spalding found uh, school in general easy and dull out, and unfortunately she had dropped out. And she was around, says here around 15, 16, she started writing lyrics for music uh, for local indie rock pop group Noise for Pretend, uh, touching on a topic that came to mind. Although she had taken a few private voice lessons, which taught her how to project her voice, she said that her primary singing experience had come from singing in the shower um, before she started performing vocals for Noise for Pretend. Her desire to perform her desire to perform live involved naturally out of the composition process when she would sing and play simultaneously to see how melody and voice fit together but she acknowledges that performing both roles can be challenging so I mean that kind of goes to show you, well, one, I would say it is good to uh, stay in school um, and definitely complete school when you can. But um, but more than that, um, it kind of touches on, um, you know, just wanting to just have that desire and, you know, having that singing can come from anywhere, whether you're singing in the shower or maybe as you're working out begin the day or as you're driving uh, to work or you're walking in between classes, kind of that inspiration can just hit anywhere and, you know, you shouldn't ignore it. You should just take the moment to really um, embrace it and see where it leads you. And for um, Esperanza, it's lettered all the way to... Um, you know, being able to play several instruments and even getting a Grammy. So you never know. Let's see. And yeah, it looks like she mainly, and it's kind of looking through her biography, she mainly plays a more, um, as you can hear, singing, and she plays a more um, upright bass. Um, so for... Um, but it does, but she does go to um, electric bass every so often, 
which is really, really cool. And anyone who can play, like I said, any instrument, that's still impressive. I mean, I don't know how well I could do with upright bass. I know a lot. I know of a few artists who do, and I'm always amazed by their abilities and, you know, being able to play. So um, I think that's quite a feat. And... So let's actually jump from there. Like I said, we're just going to be touching up on a few people here and there. Let's see if I'll let me go back. There we go. All right. So the next one we're going to actually uh, talk about a little bit is Victor Wooten. Let me get that started there. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is um, no. Victor Wooten, but oh, it's James. also Long time with, see it. Uh, hear it, with yeah. James Jennis, who, and I hope I say that right, but uh, James Jennis, who's also with the SNL right. band. And this is a little something, wow. them, looks like uh, them just wow. kicking back, wow. getting together, and just wow. kind of playing a little bit. Let's take a listen. So again, that's uh, um, James Jennis with Victor Wooten, and I'll talk about Victor a little bit, or Victor Lemon, uh, Lemonade Wooten, hope I'm saying that right. Uh, I've noticed that a lot of these names I am going to get uh, tragically wrong, and I do apologize to any of the artists that, hey, if you happen to be listening, I'm definitely sorry. I'm just trying my best to tell these names, but um, he was born in September 11th on 1964, also American uh, bass artist, record producer, educator, and recipient of five Grammy Awards. Uh, He's been the bassist for Bell Fleck and the Flecktones since the group's formation in 1988 um, and is a member of the band SMV and with two other bassists, Stanley Clark and Marcus Miller, um, two names that definitely have come up a couple of times as I've been uh, looking up. Uh, since 2007, he's played the bass uh, for the metal band Nitro. So interesting. He even plays for a metal band. That's actually pretty cool. Uh, 
Uh, some genres that he's, of course, part of is jazz fusion, jazz funk, bluegrass, and pop. Um, and much like a lot of, like I said, a lot of the bass players I've seen plays bass guitar, cello, double bass, and regular guitar. So definitely, definitely impressive. Let's see. So his, um, so let's see if we can pick out. So if you want to know some of the um, songs that he's actually been part of, let's see. He's actually got several. Uh, if you're, you know, interested in his playing, he's definitely he's definitely got a few solo albums, such as A Show of Hands. Uh, what did he say? Yin Yang, Live in America, Soul Circus, and A Show of Hands, just to name um, a handful of them. Um, when he was with the Flectones, uh, they even got a, a few of them. Bell and the Flectones, of course, the, I guess their premier title. Uh, Flight of the Cosmic Hippo, which is uh, very interesting for a title. Very unique, I will say. Um, UFO Tofu, they're really inventive with their names, Left of Cool, it's actually, I think I've actually seen, I've actually heard that one, I may have to uh, pick that one up or actually uh, find it again, uh, Hidden Land and Jingle All the Way, so those are a few uh, when he was actually with the Flectones. Um, again, Wooten uh, is a, another bass player that's um, actually, as far as I know, still around today. Um, he's been active on the bass since uh, 1980, so that would probably mean that he uh, picked it since he was born in 64, picked it up, um, you know, roughly around um, like high school, like right around high school. Sounds like almost the same time um, Esperanza actually picked up. Uh, started picking up music around 15, 16, and um, he's been playing ever since. So that's definitely impressive. Um, really enjoy. And let's see, who do we have next? Got on. See, a lot of these uh, players I can pretty much just uh, listen to for um, hours. And if you ever have a chance, definitely um, look up and you'll be impressed on a lot of these people and like what they can do and how they play and everything. And I think it's just amazing. Sitting in your house playing like, you know, till four or five in the morning, jamming like that. Now here's another one that I came across, another um, more recent one, name is Stephen Lee Brun uh, Bruner, also known as Thundercat. Um, let's listen to his um, piece of music, actually available through NPR Music, a Tiny Desk Concert. Oh 
so a little bit on Thundercat. Uh, is an American multi-genre based guitarist, uh, record producer, singer, songwriter out of Los Angeles, California. Uh, First Come Providence is a member of a cover uh, thrash band called Suicidal Tendencies. Again, always interesting with um, with the uh, band titles that you come up at you that you find when you uh, jump down these rabbit holes. Um, he's since released four solo studio albums and is noted for his work with producer Flying Lotus and is apparent on Kendrick Lamar's uh, critically acclaimed 2015 album uh, To Pimp a Butterfly. In 2016, Lenicat won a Grammy for Best Rap Song Performance for his work on the track Three wa- uh, These Walls from a pimp to uh, from to pimp a butterfly which again just to show you that not only um you know um in as far as playing you know maybe you can you know not only just strike out with um you know, kind of like your own solo but you never know who you might meet or you know these different um you know artists that you may be able to collaborate with See, so um, Thundercat looks like he came from a family of musicians. He began playing the bass at an early age. By fifteen, and by fifteen, he had minor. He had a minor hit in Germany as a member of a boy band, No Curfew. A year later, he joined his brother uh, as a member of the Los Angeles punk band, Suicidal Tendencies. We talked about. And let's see. And looks like he's also appeared um, on The Tonight Show, starring Jimmy Fallon. So he is definitely not just some um, upcomer. He's definitely uh, been a lot of places and played for a lot of people. So that is definitely impressive. And let's see. And as I'm looking this up, still listening. So, for the last one that we're going to talk about today, or at least I'm going to discuss, is um, uh, Monk Montgomery. And what you're going to be listening to a little bit is his uh, is a song called Fuselage. And this is actually um, off of his album, Bass Odyssey.
So, uh, William Howard Monk Montgomery, of course known as Monk Montgomery, was born October 10th of 1921 and passed away on May 20th of 1982. Um, also another jazz uh, bassist. He's a pioneer of the electric bass and possibly the first to record out a uh, record on it when um, when he recorded with Art Farmer in 1953 so that's probably uh something in discussion or debate but hey he may have been one of the first to actually um help you know bring it out and his brother uh, he was brother to another jazz guitarist west montgomery and a vibraphonist named buddy montgomery Let's see so a little bit about his past um Born in Indianapolis, Indiana, to a musical family. So he was pretty much born into it, like mentioned his uh, brothers. And his older brother, Thomas, played drums. Um, fortunately, died at the age of 16. Monk had given his younger brother, uh, Wes, a tenor guitar when he was only 11, 12. And he took up the electric, he took up the electric guitar um, at age 19. Major success. While his uh, his um, brother Buddy uh, decided to play the uh, piano and later took up the vibraphone, and it looks like even uh, their his younger sister, Avern, uh, sorry, Irvina, and hopefully I'm not saying that wrong, also played the piano. So um, you can see that his entire family was into music, which. I think is very, very cool. Um, I think it's always nice that if you have like uh, brothers, sisters that also play along with you, that they can kind of join in. Um, I know my sister actually did for a little bit. She actually played um, uh, saxophone for a little bit, even though we really didn't uh, play together at any point as far as you know like a duet i always wish that at some point we had which would have been um really nice if we did have that chance uh but sad to say unfortunately just we did it and you know that happens so but it's okay um Now, at least part of this, um, he's considered one of the first electric bassists to, of significance to jazz, taking up, again, the Fender Precision Bass. See, it comes up a lot. I may have to, I may have to consider uh, looking into that. I've actually looked up a couple of them, and not exactly the... Um, uh, let's just say I maybe have to be saving a little bit before I uh, get the one I want. But um, in 1952 to 53, after replacing Roy Johnson in the Lionel uh, Hampton Orchestra, he said he's the he said his biggest influence on bassists were um, people like uh, Jimmy Blanton, Ray Brown, and Charles Mingus. Monk played electric bass on with his thumb. Uh, I'll just mention his brother, of course, again, and adapted his jazz playing from double bass to electric. So once again, we have um, you know these artists that are going, and that was a trend. It seems like that was a trend because it was kind of moving from that 
um, that jazz going from the double bass or the more classical bass to the electric bass. Because, I mean, you know, you get to imagine, I can only imagine that if you're having to um, travel to different clubs, different uh, cities, different uh, states all over the United States, you'd want something that's at least like easier to carry rather than a giant bass. Though I can imagine um, even an electric bass and your amp um, would be difficult, but uh, probably a lot uh, easier and a lot safer to travel than a regular um, upright bass. But it does look like at a point he did in the 1960s, he took up the Fender Jazz Bass. So, hey, maybe there is hope for my jazz bass after all. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's see, in 1964-65, Montgomery played two uh, albums with the Jazz Crusaders, and members of the and, and members of that band would go on to produce and play on his first two solo albums. Later in 1960 and 1970, he freelanced with uh, vibraphonist uh, Cal Tra uh, Trader. Uh, gonna say we're gonna skip that one out. Sorry, Cal, but uh, we'll skip that for now. But um, continue to play where he settled in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, with the Red no Norvo Trio until 1972. And uh, some of his albums uh, that you can find: Bass Odyssey, which is where I'm pulling a lot of these, um, a lot of the music that you're hearing from now. Um, looks like that one was back in uh, 1971. I also had another one called Reality uh, in 74. And looks like his first one, at least on record here, says It's Never Too Late. At least that's his solo album. Um, he had a few with his brothers back in the 50s, Almost Forgotten, and the Montgomery Brothers and Five Others. Um, that's actually a pretty catchy one, and that's in 57. But he's had quite a list of albums as far as uh, solo and with different groups. Uh, looks like as a sideman with Kenny Burrell, uh, Jerry C uh, Cooker, Art Farmer, uh, jo Johnny Griffin, Lionel, Ham Lionel Hampton, Eddie Harris, Hampton Hawes, and the Jazz Crusaders, um, which I've um, heard a lot about um, through my studies. So, really to get to the main kind of um, focus of all of this, um, the purpose, if you will, for any of this is just that, you know, there are tons of um, artists and um, singers out there, not just African American, but just, uh, just in general. And, you know, if you... I would say if you ever have the opportunity, just the time to just really go out there and listen to all these people, it's just amazing. Um, let me see if I can find just a couple, I mean, to list the artists. And like I said, I've had to kind of look and kind of pull a lot of different artists from here and there. And there are just so many. And this doesn't even, like I said, my research was 
um, like I said, throughout the last couple of weeks, and I barely scratched the surface of who's all out there. Um, but not only of artists of note, but just artists around your own um, hometown or people that you know. As I said, you know, my own instructor that was, he has a man that he plays with, and I think he's phenomenal. Um, whenever I go to music and arts, I'm just surrounded by different instructors and kids who are all playing lots of different instruments. Um, I know of several people that, um, special friends out in um, Nevada, and their um, children actually also play instruments, and they're phenomenal to be uh, part of, like, major orchestras and bands. So if you ever have the opportunity, I would say um, you're really missing out not at least l attempting to learn how to play an instrument. Now, whether you decide that you want to play something, like you want to be serious, you're going to play it uh, like this on a podcast or YouTube, you're hoping to, you know, get something like uh, um, on American Idol or, you know, trying to make it big, or maybe you just want something to kind of play when you're home with your family or if you're at a reunion and just kind of want to, you know, strum a few things, you know, you're... You're definitely missing an opportunity to at least learn and try out and just see how it is. And I guarantee you, you'll definitely enjoy it. So if you have the, if you have the time, and I would say even try to make the time because you will not regret it, you know, take a moment to, if you, um, if you have played before, go ahead and pick up that instrument and just kind of strum a little bit. Or if you know some place that offers live music, or maybe if you have a loved one near you that plays sometime, just take an opportunity to have them maybe um, do a quick concert or, you know, just sit down and just kind of listen to them. And I guarantee it's definitely something special, especially if that person loves it. So, Again, I hope you've enjoyed this kind of impromptu. Like I said, I've been trying to get this together the best I can. It has been crazy busy, but I promised it so long that I've actually got to give you something. Hopefully, uh, maybe sometime later I can do a more uh, involved and more in-depth um, into uh, history. And um, I'm hoping that I can get the time to actually give you a really in-depth look at just music in general and um, I promise that I'll actually play a little bit myself next time. Um, like I said, it's been a little bit hectic so couldn't really play but um, hopefully by uh, next week I'll have a little bit of something. Also, um, next week I'm still going with the uh, Black History. I am going to be talking about a uh, comic creator that's actually near and dear to me. I've kind of hinted it, but I'm just going to say it is um, a comic artist uh, named Dwayne McDuffie. If you're unfamiliar with his work, um, if you have either read comics or watched cartoons in probably since the um, mid nineties, no, not mid, yeah, probably around the mid nineties up until around 2015. If you've ever read any kind of, um, comic or watch any kind of cartoon, that name will actually end up being very familiar because he had his hand in a lot of different things and I think influenced a lot of people, whether they know it or not. But 
again, I want to say thank you for everyone who's listening. If you know of any artists or um, of any, um, you know, like I said, not just uh, bass artists, but other guitarists or any kind of musicians that, you know, you want me to either talk about or you want to just, you know, comment on, by all means, let me know. And I'll gladly to see what we can do on maybe even making an episode out of it. Again, thank you again for listening. I hope everyone has a great week, and I will talk to you later. Peace.